You want to say something? Oh. I'm just on the on the healing. Um, uh, the past few days, some there was a there was an old patient that came to me, and um, uh, so it's a, it's a uh, I think she's a Corsa person, but um, uh, the the bottom line is, uh, she said the doctor needs to heal me, uh, and it and it uh, so she was speaking through her son who was telling me the doctor needs to heal me, um, but it was like this. <coughs> I think King Ahab at some stage felt like this when, uh, when the uh, leprous Syrian was sent to him and the king of Syria said, you need to heal my servant. And it's like, King Ahab was like, I can't. <laughs> He's just picking a fight. And, 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 um, but as she, as she said that, um, uh, the doctor needs to heal me and she's got a specific condition where there's no, there's no medical cure for that. Um, I was just uh, confronted with this moment of um, certain things I don't have, like silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I can give you. So to some extent, medicine for your condition I don't have, but what I do have I can give to you. But you know what? I skipped the opportunity. Yes, and afterwards I just thought. Um, and it's that, that moment where you've got an opportunity to confess faith in the name of Jesus, faith in the blood of Jesus. What heals a person is the work at Calvary by that stripe and by the blood. I had an opportunity to actually bring the distinction, like I can't heal you, but I have faith um, in the blood. And maybe what you need for your condition are a hundred prayers, and I can bring you only one now. But let me not withhold the one of the hundred that is needed for you. I, I, I withheld it. I missed it. But I was so encouraged again out of it, like to be quicker out of the blocks, to be quicker when that opportunity is there. It's like certain things I don't have. I don't have the ability to heal you, but I know him who does have. And, and yeah, I just want to, in this, in this season, I want us to really be quick out of the blocks where there's an opportunity to confess faith in the blood, faith in the name, an expectation. My God is able. So it's good, Cassie. Thanks for sharing that. Because we, we need to hear the stories where we miss it as well, man. Because that's what we signed up for coming here. So we said, Lord, we want to be part of you planting a church. That means following Jesus in the valley. And following Jesus is a process of uh, oftentimes falling, getting up again, walking falling, sometimes turning, sometimes, you know, going off track or so, and it's, uh, but staying together with Jesus and staying together with these believers. Uh, as we were driving this morning, um, we got a message of uh, a lady um, who uh, just had a very bad time, I don't know if it's in the news or so, but uh, in New Zealand, and uh, had like a family murder basically taking place just after, soon after um, uh, moving across. And uh, I don't know all the, uh, you know, the, the details of the situation. But we were speaking to our boys about just the need for fellowship when, wherever you go. That God has designed us to be together, uh, first and foremost with Him, but then with His people. And that he gives us one another as a way of giving himself to us. And that we support one another. And we've got family that moved over to New Zealand. It wasn't easy or so, but they actually grew closer to the Lord in the process than moving further away. And there's always this choice. Will I be disappointed and move further? Or will I be disappointed and step closer and discover why? And so I really want to encourage you that, uh, you know, God is busy. He's busy in our children. He's busy in our hearts. He's uh, busy in disappointment or disillusionment. He's, he's in all those things. And he's busy in the excitement and so on. When we bring it together, it speaks of life with God. It doesn't, paint, it doesn't, it doesn't take away the, the bad things that happen. It acknowledges it. But it also acknowledges the very good that God is busy doing. And that he is busy building his church. And um, we are part of that. Thank God. Be your new self sinking into Jesus. 
Um, a while ago, I had a message, Be Yourself, Part 1, and it was all about putting off the old self, putting off the, the things that are not of the Lord, the, the deeds and the, and the desires uh, of the flesh. And so that was Part 1. It took a while for me to get to part two, but this is part two of that message. And uh, I, uh, what, what we're hearing through this is be encouraged, you can be yourself. Uh, is, isn't that uh, one of the, the big things that we always say? I mean, I just want to be myself. This morning, I'm going to tell you how to be yourself. I'm going to encourage you. that You've got liberty to be yourself as the Lord has designed you, has created you. Um, and uh, we've been looking at Colossians. Some of you might have thought we've jumped over to Jonah. No, Jonah actually fits in Colossians. Uh, it's the putting off of the old man, the old uh, Jonah. And, uh, and like a real dad joke, I realized that Jonah was the first belly dancer. As he was dancing, you know, just coming out of the belly of the whale. <laughs> uh, I had to get that out, you know, I had to just be corny at least uh, once in the morning, <laughs> or the first time, for the first time this morning, there will be more. So, but we're in Colossians, and the, the Colossians is Paul describing and preaching, and just, he's declaring the gospel, the good news of God. Not just the good news that we think is good news. He's God's good news. If we had to sit next to God and He describe and explain things to us, that's what we're looking that's, uh, to. That's what we're seeing and hearing. And He speaks about you have been predestined and you've been chosen and you've been forgiven and you've been given uh, an inheritance and you are called into God. And it's just these incredible things. And then he moves over and he says, now put off and put on and set your minds on things above. And that is what we uh, constantly need to kind of wash our minds with. Because it wakes us up. I had a dip in the water this morning in the pool. And it wakes you up when you get into that. And uh, I've, I've been trying to do it, and it really helps me to wake up in the morning. You should try it. <laughs> but but, but what, what the Word does is it washes us. It's like cold water. It just washes, and it wakes us up. And we've got to acknowledge that our hearts and our minds drift, just like Cassie was uh, saying now, that we, we sometimes we drift from the awareness of what God is busy with. That even a prayer-filled man like Cassie can at a moment just miss the moment. And then it's not, oh, let me condemn myself and be hopeless and I'm so bad. It's like, oh Lord, I missed it. Please help me for the next moment. And that as we, as we acknowledge what God has done as we position ourselves to be in God, in His presence the whole time, we get to lay hold of those moments and we grow up in it. Yesterday, um, I, uh, I can feel like the, it is the end of the term. I don't know if it's just a psychological thing or so, but yeah, I've been feeling a bit tired and we're going on a short bit of leave connected with um, this long weekend till Sunday this week. But I thought, let me quickly go up uh, Palm Mountain, just get some like alone time with the Lord. And it was beautiful, stunning, and very few people uh, actually up there. And as I came down, got in the car, you know, normal things, I, I heard like a loud, like clear, but in my heart, not an audible voice, but just clear, I love you. Now, you know, reading the Bible, so I know God loves me. I know all that. But having a now f experience, I love you. I was like, and I, and I was like, and I started driving on, and I just felt, whoa, Ruan, you're missing the opportunity here. And I stopped the car and I said, thank you, Lord. I love you too. But what happens when we respond to God is that intimacy grows. And it was way better to stop and acknowledge what God is busy doing and saying to me than just going on and say, that's a nice thought. Very biblical. Yeah, I know God loves me. And we go on. That it's in, in some way kind of separated from here. It's knowledge that's Bible knowledge and we know. Because all, most of you, 
this is, I don't know, but I reckon most of you know that God's love, God loves you. But do most of you feel God loves you? Do most of you feel, and, and when I say feel, it's like a deep knowledge in the heart that this is what you walk with. This is how you, you walk with the sense of that. And if we are to be honest, and if I have to be honest, I don't always feel that. I need to hear that often. Because I've got a mind that veers off. I've got a mind that sometimes has that, you know, that court case in your mind that you're fighting with whoever is in front of you. And it's like this, that, 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 that. And it's just like. But God wants us to know with our minds, to feel with our hearts, with our whole being, what He has done in Jesus Christ, this gospel, that it becomes like a compass to how we walk. It's our true north, and we know exactly where to walk. That is the gospel to us. And I hope you are hearing that and you are giving yourself to that. I want to touch briefly on Colossians 2. Um, I'm on there. Just quickly click on the screen. All right. Now, just uh, 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 that's a brief moment where uh, Jesus, uh, uh, person portraying Jesus, says, Give to Caesar what is due Caesar. Give to God what is due God. And that is that moment where he looked at the coin and says, Who's, Whose image is on the coin? Caesar's. He says, Give to Caesar. He was, uh, he was asked about the, 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 um, the taxes. And Jesus says, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But give to God what is God's. Whose inscription is on you? Whose image is on you and me? Genesis 1. Let us create man in our image, in our likeness. And so Jesus at that moment says, Yeah, be faithful with this ties and stuff. That, that's important. The most important, the kingdom is, give yourself to God. Give to God what is God's. And that's what we look. God is our creator. And He is the one that came to create the world as we know it physically and to create the new creation. And there's a moment in Colossians 2. I just want to point your attention to where Paul is saying, he says, this is what happened in Jesus. You have been buried with Him in the baptism and which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So he's saying, guys, you, I know for you it might be difficult to, to see because you're looking with your physical eyes, but if we can look at what God did in Jesus, in the Spirit, this is what he did. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, physically, also raised Jesus in the Spirit. He was a new creation. He was a life-giving Spirit, in, uh, in Corinthians it said. He says, now the same with you. You were buried with him in baptism. That is the sign. You are dead. But now you've been raised. And you were dead in your trespasses. That's the place where you were dead. In the sin, the trespasses, all the guilt stuff. You, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. That God made alive together with Him. Having forgiven us all our trespasses. By cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put to open shame, if you can't read there, by triumphing over them in Him. Powerful little summary of the gospel. Here's what happened to you and me. We were dead. Dead to God. And what the Bible image of dead always refers to is separation. In other words, you can't be influenced. You, can't, you, don't have, you have no relationship. You have no connection with that person. That's why you are dead to me. It's not like the person is physically dead. But I have no more connection with you. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the spiritual connection, spiritually dead. And it was transferred over and over and over to you and me. In our sin, dead to God. We can't be led by Him. We're not in the Spirit. It says, in our trespasses, that's the place that we had. But the beauty is, he has forgiven us. The only way that He could make us alive is to forgive you and me. That, 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 that legal demand, that thing that's, 
that stood against you and me. He forgave the trespasses. Can you hear? He's not, oh no, let's make as if it never happened. That we sometimes do with sin. So, okay. He's not winking at it. He acknowledges it. And then he forgives it. It's very important that we cannot minimize sin. Colossians 3, it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Those dead works, those works of the flesh, they are very big, very serious. They are causing God's wrath to come. It's big. It causes death. But it's not bigger than God. It's not stronger than God. And so Jesus comes, he forgives the trespasses that took place. Every rebellion before you, while, even before you knew God, even before you, you had the power to do it, God forgave in Christ Jesus. Then it says he canceled the record of debt with its legal demands. Most of the times when we do something wrong, we can be forgiven, but there's still, the, there's still a debt. Restitution that needs to take place. And what Paul says here is he canceled that debt. Because how many of you have been forgiven? You know you were forgiven, but you still feel guilty. And what Paul wants to say is, guys, you don't have to walk with the guilt and the shame. It has been canceled. That record of debt, that legal demand. Again, he's not saying, oh no, there's no debt. He says, there's debt. You've got problems. Finale on modern. On money. Since I cancelled it. Let that sink into our hearts and minds. Cancel it. In other words, I don't have to. I honestly, I still at times feel like when somebody says, no, it's cancelled. It's like, are you sure it's cancelled? I just want to make sure. I still feel indebted. It's so difficult for us. This week, a friend asked me to do something um, for him. It was a quick, I mean, I work with leather here on the side a little bit, but he asked me to just fasten some buttons on his leather jacket. I mean, it's, it's a small job. It's not, I'll pay for it. He says, no, it's really not. No, man. Are you sure I don't have to pay? No, there's no. But I, I, the way we designed is we want to, we acknowledge debt, we quickly feel indebted, and we want to work our way to a place where we are, have no debt. It hangs over. And what he says is, guys, this sin, this, the, in the good news is God canceled that debt. He sets it aside now, nailing it to the cross. That's what he says there. He nailed it to the cross. How many of you have got that little, it's like a skewer, that you, when you do your monthly stuff, or so you have all the slips that you press through that. Eh? Or you've seen it at the bank. Eh? Sit your mind here. Then it's like it's dealt with. It's, it's, uh, it's finished. Uh, oftentimes in the bank, that was one of the ways how they would do it. Is, uh, you bring your... Yes, I was so long in the bank. You bring some of the little papers, and then if you've paid it, so they put it through, and it's settled. It's nailed. It's actually... Uh, um, a tradition that they had in the old days is that they would take that debt, they would take that which was owed, and they would punch a nail through it saying, it's nailed, it's cancelled, it's dealt with. And we actually continue to carry that on. We just now have a little bit more sophisticated. And now we've got, you know, electronic stuff and so forth. But when it says Jesus was nailed to the cross... He who became sin, taken Jesus, all everything that you owe, everything that I owe, everything that was a nailed, cancelled, nailed to the cross. And what I want to do, Jesus, I just want to take you out, and I still owe something. I still owe that right life, that righteousness that's needed for me to walk with God. I still want to pay for that. And then there's a hole in. And the enemy wants you to not see the whole. The enemy wants you to see that it's really still sown. It's foolish. It's like you come to the bank and says, no, sir, this has been canceled. Why do you want to pay for it? You don't have to pay for it. The person on the other side thinks you, no, 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 I just really want to. No, sir, our books won't 
be reconciled. I mean, it, it will cause the books to not be even. And what did Jesus do? He came to reconcile. So if you come and add some stuff, then it's flesh that comes to be added. You cause an imbalance when you want to bring your own stuff there. Jesus balanced it out. He brought peace to the relationship. And he did it through this death. Beautiful. I loved it. A while ago, Cus was preaching about how to, like sin wrestles. And it's the only way that it could be dealt with is through the death of Jesus. It's the perfect, the power was in the death. And Jesus says, I'll go. And he dies. If an enemy, all the power that they had, their final key was this one move, death, then you can't move. And you go through the death and then you stand up in resurrection life. What happens to him? He is disarmed. He, he has no move anymore. And, you, and this is what Jesus came to do. He went through the final, the biggest move of the, the, the monkey grip. The say uncle wrestle part where you can't move and you can't. And he just stays in there. And I don't know what, how, what the picture in your mind, but he, it's like the enemy has it. And then Jesus stands there next to you. You can't wrestle me to the ground. And then the enemy wants to take, but he's got no arms anymore. He's disarmed. He's been triumphed over. And it's a silly picture maybe, but guys, that is really what the enemy's, where the enemy's role is from God's point of view. And I know you and I oftentimes experience real deep pressures and temptations and strong desires and those kinds of things. And that's, where I, that's what we put off because we acknowledge what Jesus did. I acknowledge the payment. I acknowledge the debt that was canceled. That is why it's so important to have this compass, to have this gospel, to have the glasses of the gospel through which you look. Because it sets us right. It positions us right. All right, so that was the introduction. Now, we get to Colossians 3. It says, and have put on the new self. Now, for those of you who can't remember, I've just read through Colossians 3 where it says put off and the old man. And so now it says put on the new self. So he's speaking about the self. He's speaking about you. Because here's the funny thing. The old self sounds like me. The new self sounds like me. What's different? Jesus. All right. And we've got to learn how to t work with this tension there is a nature in you and me that's still warring against God. That there's, I am not, I am not destined for it, but it's still there. It wants to pull me back into the way of the world. It's the old man. It's the old self. But there's a new self, which is in Christ Jesus. It says, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God what is God's. You and I, once we are born again, we get renewed in our minds. We are now have opportunity to receive revelation of God, to receive input from God, to hear that I love you, I've forgiven you, I have called you, I have uh, blessed you, to hear that and to hear who God says He is. I am your Father. That's how you know you are His child. He says, I'm your Father. You don't have to convince yourself. You don't have, my children don't have to convince themselves, I'm, the, I'm Ruan's son, I'm Ruan's son. No. I tell them, I'm your father. From, and then they know they are my sons. And so we are being renewed. And he says, yeah, there is no Greek nor Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones. And so he comes and he says this old self is, has, has been bound by the worldly uh, distinctions. Where you are born, the religion of your parents or your culture, your culture, your social class, your income status. All these things kind of tell you who you are. And Paul says, 
Stop, 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 stop. That is not who you are. You are who God says you are. You are what God has done to you. If I know some of our children bark like dogs, and sometimes they tell themselves they are dogs, but they're not dogs. But as Christians, as people of God, sometimes we act like the world, and we tell ourselves we are like the world, and we let the, the world tell us who we are. And God says, no, 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 no. I, you are who I say you are. Children of God. Called. Chosen. Jonah runs away because he doesn't want to be what God says he needs to be. You are my prophet. You are my child. You, are, you belong to me. And when we don't agree with God, it's like we run to the other side. And that thing, that, that, that way of life needs to be put off. Thrown overboard. It needs to go from selfish to self-sacrificing. Self-centered to Christ-centered. Self-righteous to His righteousness. Self-made person to a God-made person. Self-serving to God's servant. Selfish ambition to being spirit-led. It's a small life, the self-life. It only is as big as you. But a God life brings you into the kingdom of God with where God wants you to go and to do. And then even the smallest thing, can I say, like you feel giving tithe or speaking with your child day in, day out while he's asking about superheroes and is Jesus. Small thing brings an enlargement of the kingdom into that it's that death blow. It's, it's Jesus going through death and standing up in a wide open space. The enemy wants you in the small. Just go through that. And it only happens when we surrender. Self-surrender. And that is by putting on the new man. The new self. To be yourself. And, and the, the, the picture here is by putting on. And I forgot. We forgot the big jacket. We had a bit of a crazy morning this morning. Uh, Aaron was there somewhere in the back with all the bosses and it groot uitslag and stuff and he knows to the house I see she's back now but it's just crazy stuff usually on mornings like this but it says put on the new self and that, that jacket we've got a big jacket like this you know, as some of you might have seen you know, it's got this like big black jacket yeah sometimes I get scared when I but, <laughs> but then it's like she sinks into this jacket and that's the picture that they paint to these words. It's like put on. It's like sink into Jesus. Sink into. Have you ever been to uh, maybe some of these fancy restaurants or so where, you know, the person as you go out, they put on this jacket and you, you like sink into it. This little boy, is, he sinks into his dad's clothes. Oh, when we, our children do that. It's, it's like sinking in. Almost a bucket. If you throw a bucket in the water and it starts to sinking, is the bucket now full? Yes, but it's sunk into fullness. It's in the water, but it's also full. It's still there. It's not, it's not there. And so God wants us to sink into Him in that way. You are there. You, you, there's a self, but it's full, permeated with God. And so we get to put on then as God's chosen ones. Who are you? You're chosen. Chosen by God. God's chosen ones. Holy and loved. You know, we, we, when people, when you start to get to know someone and they ask you, so who are you? You know, tell me a bit about yourself. What are the first things that we do? We tell them what we do for a living. Tell them who we marry to children, where we live. Some of you, you know, what we don't tell people about the primary. I, I'm chosen by God. I'm loved, holy, married to Ina. And, and just, by the way, just say that first part again. What? And, and, and some people have made it very religious and so, and, and so we're actually a bit put off. We don't want to 
We don't want to inconvenience somebody. But can we say it in a normal way and just maybe see what happens when somebody hears that? An opportunity to say. But I've got a few uh, people that's going to just give us uh, some definitions to these words about what are the things that we need to put on now? What are the things that you need to sink into? Because in one sense, the putting on, it's an action. It's a very definite action. And sinking into, like a trust fall. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> you know, when you have these file mo- um, video clips and the people have like a trust fall. <laughs> So I've got this one where this guy tells his wife, okay, trust me, he stands behind her, but they are like a dam. So he's like standing ready, and she falls falls to the front in the water. (laughs) It's so funny. But okay, so the the idea is we want to fall into God. We want to trust, a trustful sinking into Him. So, I mean, who's the names I've got here? Um, Murnai, come, you can come so long. Murnai, uh, Uriah, Kasi, and Lisa. You can come so long. So, the first one there is compassionate hearts. Those of you can come. Yeah, come. Compassionate hearts. And, and when the Greeks speak of compassion, they, they, they point to an area where you feel it in your gut. They, they speak about the bowels. It's like you feel it. And, and what he's saying is, guys, Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was compassionate. Great in compassion. The, the Psalms speak of the Lord's compassion. I mean, he's, he's, he's compassionate to us. So it says, when we, the new self, is created in God, put on compassion. Feel with people. And I know some of you are like, I'm not a feeler. But you can acknowledge and you can acknowledge other people's feelings. He says, I want you to acknowledge where people are. Put on compassion. Feel with them. Kindness. Do I have kindness? Yes, I've got kindness. So here's the picture about kindness. It's a kind word. Yes, do we get tempted not to give a kind word? To give a kind response? Some of you are in certain job or careers where it's cutthroat. There's no kindness there. If you're kind, they eat you up for breakfast. But oftentimes when we use these more marshmallow words, I know some feels like mushy, God-like. I can't serve a Jesus. It's like this marshmallow type of. But was Jesus compassionate and the one that took out the whip? See, and oftentimes when we want to highlight or emphasize an attribute of God, we minimize the other attributes. So we want to say he's just and righteous and so we want to make his mercy smaller we're going to say oh he's loving and kind and he accepts then we want to make his judgment smaller no he's all of that at once at the right time and so god is kind all right next one humility come on share with us what's humility Okay, um, so uh, just uh, put on humility and meekness. So uh, humility basically means um, just a humbleness of mind, a humbleness of mind, a lowliness of heart. And it's, it's similar to being poor in spirit, like in, uh, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So you, you get a picture of a, of a person bowing, uh, not bowing, um, just kneeling down before someone. Okay, you, you're being poor in spirit, uh, that sense of humility. Um, and, then, and then meekness on the other hand, it's, it's, a, it's a gentleness, it's a spirit of patience and self-control when you're under temptation or trials. And, and, and with meekness, you see this picture of a horse or camel whose strength has been channeled for the, master, for the master's purpose. So you've got uh, many people see meekness as weakness, but it's, it's not. It's, being, it's like strength being under control. And, um, but, but the difference was quite, uh, the dif- so the difference between humility and, and meekness is humility is coming in line with the truth in knowing you are poor when you are tempted to think you are rich. And meekness is knowing that you are rich, but coming in the attitude as if you are poor. 
So you've got this two, it's like, again, this, this, uh, just this uh, balance between um, humility and meekness. But basically, I just want to repeat that again. Humility is coming in line with the truth in knowing you are poor when you are tempted to think that you are rich. And meekness is knowing that you are rich, but coming in an attitude as if you are poor. morning. So mine is patience. Um, uh, the dictionary actually helps us a lot. Erwan <laughs> forced me. Um, so it says uncomplaining through discomfort. So patience uh, speaks to me of, of a time. There's, there's time. There's always time that has to go by. Um, and, and it's not comfortable. It's actually being in a negative position. Okay, whatever that is. And the other part is it's restraining oneself. So for me, patience is waiting on the Lord in discomfort, restraining from doing it myself. So, um, my definition. <laughs> uh, Isaiah 60, let me see, 64. It says, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. So, and when, I, when I struggle, um, this is where, where I have to stop and be patient and wait. Not do anything myself. Just stand on the promise that God has given and just wait in that promise. Very good. Very good. Kasi, bearing with one another. Like so um, bearing with one another is, um, is uh, sort of enduring difference um, to, um, to sort of shoulder difference, to, to take it up. Now, these differences are not necessarily sins. It could be sins, but it could just be different. Um, uh, Marty loves red, and I like green. And to uh, say, for example, have... Whatever, red carpets um, would be, I bear something, all right? Uh, some other example will be, um, she likes to have a hot breakfast um, and, and, and not have too much detail with it, and maybe I would like to have more detail. But for me, um, to, to have it her way would be to bear. It doesn't mean she's sinning, it's just the difference. So I'm shouldering, I'm, stomach, I'm, I'm stomaching difference in order to have unity. And, and what the Lord is building us towards is that we remain together. So bearing one another could be sins, but just could be differences. I had a picture um, in, in one of our prayer meetings a week or two ago where um, the Lord showed me a number of gemstones um, that were um, like, what is half edelsteiner? In any case, gemstones. Um, but they were, they, were, they were polished gemstones. And um, we had a neighbor that used to do that. And the polishing is a very, very simple process. It's not you take a gemstone and you take a grinder or whatever and then you go and you work through it. That's not how it is. They, they've, they've just got a canister, uh, some round cylinder. They throw all the gemstones in there and then they just turn it. And the gemstones make one another smooth to a place where they are shiny and polished. You just need to turn them long enough. And that's the same what we would get on a beach or whatever. If you see a beach where there are stones that are washing against one another, all of them are round stones. You don't get any... Not one. This is what we are called to be. We need to... The Lord throws us into one church and we've got the various edges and whatever. And then He starts turning us. And we do life together. And he says, bear with one another. Don't get out of the process. Because if you do, you'll become nice and polished. Bear with one another. Very good. So a while ago, Ruan said, um, Lisa, don't you want to share a little bit about forgiveness? And I thought, Ruan, come on. <laughs> but um, it will be actually nice to share something if you, if you feel proud about it. But I'm going to share something about putting off the old and putting on the new. So um, I was at a crossroad and I had to decide if I'm going to, um, to forgive someone. And um, I, I, it's easy to talk about it now, 
but at that stage it was something, um, it was very hard on my heart. So I, I deliberately decided not to forgive. And, um, and I spoke to a friend, and <laughs> but before I spoke to the friend, I, I thought in my mind, I'm going to stay mad at this person, because if I stay mad, then I can almost like hit them in a way, I don't know, punish them. And um, so I found my friend and I, I told her the story and I said, well, this person sent me a message and said, listen, I'm sorry, because I was hurt and I was, and I, it just felt unfair and, it, and there was a lot of things that, um, that I was really mad about and I thought, well, I'm, I'm, I'm right, I'm the correct one, I'm the good one here. Looking back, I wasn't. But anyway, so I found this friend and I said, I'm mad. I'm so mad. And don't you think I can just stay mad for another three days or four days? And I was really hoping for this answer. Yes, Lisa, you're right. And um, <laughs> she said, you know what? Don't let the sun go down without asking for forgiveness, number one, and without saying or without um, accept accepting the apology and forgiving. And I, and I thought, but that's not the answer that I wanted to know. I don't want to, I wanted her to say, yes, stay mad. So, but anyway, so um, then Colossians, it says there, um, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So I know you have to forgive. I know it's not always easy, I can tell you that. But I, um, I made a decision to forgive and I knew, I mean, you don't have to forgive and then just forget. You can work through it. But she got me to a place where, um, yeah, where I just could forgive and then start to work with it, start to go through the motions. And um, in that sense, it was easier to put off that old, put off that ugly heart, put off and then put something on you as he wants us to do. Beautiful book. Great definitions. Thanks, you guys. It, uh, we can. Uh, there's a lot to work with in those definitions, eh? and that is the thing: is this putting on is the place where we need Jesus. We cannot do it on us uh, by ourselves. It is acknowledging Jesus' work and allowing Him to put that on, in a sense, to sink into Him. Um, it ends off there, and it says um, that. Uh, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And if you, if you consider those attributes, and I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a conclusive list there, but Paul is, Paul is saying, guys, the way that you live with God is to put on the new man. This is how you become like Jesus. And can you see that the thread from the start this morning is, tithing, because you can put tithing and forgiving next to one another. We get a little bit more madder or you know, offend, more offended when it's about the money. But it's the same thing. I don't feel like it, but when I did it, I could work through it. I don't feel like it, but when I give it, I can walk better with God. It's the same thing. And so in Colossians uh, 2, he says, as you have received Christ, walk in Him. As you, as you receive Jesus in terms of forgiveness and loving, as you receive Jesus and what He leads to you about money, walk in Him. It's the same. Believe God and be obedient. I just saw this picture. I thought it was a funny one. Blessed are the meek, not the furious. <laughs> so <laughs> those of you who know the act, it's Vin Diesel, you'll understand. So <laughs> but that's where God wants us to be, in a position that receives the blessing of God. All right. Last part, I'm going to finish with this, is that thankfulness, and it, it brings it together so beautifully, is that God highlights thankfulness through this letter of Colossians. It's like Paul constantly puts it up. And you see that a thankful heart is one that has received and is, is open to receive more. Um, we see here in Colossians 1 verse 3, he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Colossians 1 verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. 
2 verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 3 verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. 3 verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 3 verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Colossians 4 verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Do we get the idea? It's like when it gets repeated over and over and over. What are we thankful for? Right? We are thankful for the gospel. We are thankful for forgiveness. We are thankful for the debt being canceled. We are thankful for a new life. We are thankful, yes, for the cell phone and God being involved in the little stuff, in the provisions and the, those, those earthly breakthroughs. But can I call us that we be thankful for what we rooted in, what our lives are in, that we are chosen, God's holy people, loved by Him, forgiven, blood-washed, all those things. And now we are thankful in the world for the different things that He does for us. We are thankful for who He is, what He's done in Jesus, how we've benefited from it, what we can do now that we are partnering with Him. And we are watchful because we know our minds can veer off that. We can forget it. We are watchful that we fall into condemnation. We fall into impatience. We fall into those kind of things. When we put on, and it's an action. What's easier? To quickly flip and blah, 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 drop a swear word or, you know, do that. Or is it more difficult to be patient and restrained, to be meek? And God has called us to an impossible world, life. That is impossible consistently unless you're in the Lord. Unless we grow and we wear Him like He wants us to wear Him. I finish off with this. So then... Chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in a, the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Beautifully placed, huh? This week, as you go out, even in this moment, how do we put on these things? It's a moment where you confess and surrender and say, Lord, I don't have it. I'm, I, I need to be humble. So I don't know how. And you ask the Lord. You pray. You obey even if you don't feel like it. You get a good night's rest. Some of us, to put on humility, put on compassion, you just need a bit more sleep. I'm serious about that. And I know sometimes I say, but there are some, of, some, some very practical things and then there are prayerful things. But let's put on the Lord and wear it. It's our all-purpose garment, love. Come, let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you just for a new self and that we can be that new self. We can be ourselves as you created us. Uh, and this morning, Lord, uh, and maybe you just need to agree with God again. We want to agree, Lord, that ourselves is the new self in Jesus. Our self is like Jesus, created in the image of God. Lord, not because we are special, but because you did it. You say you did it. 
And uh, as we went through these definitions of the patience and of the meekness, humility, which one stood out for you? And I want to ask you as a way of response now, to take, maybe you need to take all of them or take one of them, but just mention that one where you, you're acting in, in contrary to it probably. And stop right there and sink into Jesus. Put him on. Put him on. Ask for forgiveness. If you need to ask for forgiveness, repent. And then put him on. This is your first step. You might have to do it later on again. But it starts with one step. Following Jesus is step by step. Just the one step you need to do now. Do you need to forgive completely just like Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for your blessing each one here. So just as, you know, there's a moment in, in, in Genesis where Adam and Eve wanted to put on clothes. They realized they're naked. And they started weaving uh, clothes for themselves, knitting it together. It was leaves. It couldn't hold them. It couldn't cover them correctly. It was, it was but it was their effort to cover themselves. And then God comes and He brings clothes for them. But they had to put off those leaves and put it on. And it seems so obvious and so easy actually because with the physical, but that in the spirit is what God wants to do. Is that what we are covering ourselves up with? Maybe just good manners, but we know that we are fruit in our heart. We uh, uh, a confident response, but you feel so far from God and so insecure that God is actually coming close to you and giving you clothes. He wants to wrap you in love. He wants to put the jacket of Jesus on you to sink in. And I do want to ask, is there anybody that needs to kind of come back in that way and just hope again in Him? I'd love to pray for you if that's you. It's the response in the Lord. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm coming. Letting go of the leaves. Taking on your clothes. Cover me. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Oh, Lord, I pray that each one will be in that place. It's coming to you quickly. We thank you for that, Lord. In the name of Jesus. song you want. Come let's uh, respond with a song and then we can continue with the day. Oh, 
lekker. Day. Lovely week. If you're going away for the long weekend, please drive safely.